welcome in to Poke the Bear, episode 14. I'm Evan Marinovsky here with Connor Ryan of Boston Sports Journal. Connor, how are we doing? Evan, I'm marvelous. How are you doing? I am also marvelous, especially after watching uh, former Red Sox great Mookie Betts tear up the World Series, Game 1, Tuesday yeah, night. Yeah, it's great. Quite you know, the sight. Uh, I mean, it would be good to know to like maybe you know go to the World Series, have a a generational talent on your team for the next ten years. But let me remind you uh, the fact that the Red Sox have successfully reset their luxury tax penalties. I mean, and people will be able forget. to sign uh, a bootleg player like George Springer next year to leave all of the all this pain that they've caused us by trading a superstar, homegrown talent like Mookie Betts. So again. Marvelous. I'm doing marvelous. You're also, you're also forgetting Alex Verdugo. Uh, oh, yeah. He would have had three home runs last night. So the, the Dodgers actually got worse, way worse. Verdugo's just so much better. I, I'm so mad. Like, uh, you know what? People are like, you know, Joe, Joe Buck doesn't have to keep on dunking on us the entire time. I'm like, like I feel like uh, Gerard Butler in 300 at the end when he puts his arms out and, like, just the, the wave of arrows hit him. I'm like, you know what? We deserve this. We yes. deserve this right now. Like, I don't give a, I don't give a shit. It is true. No, I mean, the Red Sox obviously botched it. Um, and it is kind of, I, I mean, here's the thing. And maybe this is just because they were bad this year. I really did not watch much Red Sox baseball this year. I didn't watch much Red oh, Sox yeah. last year in 2019 either. So I feel like my interest in them has waned solely because I, I just think baseball to me isn't as exciting as it once was. Uh, I still love going to Fenway. I still love following them. I'm still a fan of the team. Uh, but, um, you know, what yeah, would make them really exciting to watch? Is if the Red Sox had friggin' Mookie Betts? Yeah. Yes. Yes. That is a huge aspect of it. That would, ju- I mean, also the other stuff, the Cora tweets where he's saying, you know, I-, I can't wait for Cora, by the way, to announce that he's signed with the White Sox to be their manager. Yeah. That's going to be, I that's going to be terrible. Cannot wait. I- again, um, you know, Boston sports have had a really rough year you know past year things are turning on us uh you know there i think there are two things you can look to brad marshawn getting off the ice in game seven as dan shaughnessy puts it or as feidelberg from barstool puts it it's when tom brady left everywhere tom brady goes they just win so maybe it's a mix of the two who knows yep. but 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 uh anyways we're here to talk bruins and i wouldn't say things are bad in the land of the bruins i think they're good ish they're disappointing because we all thought they'd do a lot more but yeah, dep- depends on where you are. If you're on Twitter, it's uh, it's DefCon ten now. But. Hell is breaking loose on Twitter. Um, but they are making some a few signings. They signed Matt Grizzick last week to a four year, uh, three point six million dollar a year deal. It was three point six, correct? I'm not wrong. On yep. that. Yeah, three point six. And Carson Coleman was signed uh, Tuesday morning to a uh, two-year, $725,000 a year contract. Feels very cheap for both, but especially Coleman. It feels like Coleman could have maybe netted more in a better market um, than seven hundred twenty-five k. But again, flat cap is flat cap. Uh, what is your reaction to these signings? Yeah, uh, I guess just to probably knock out Coleman quick, um, good for the Bruins to get him under a pretty cheap contract like that. Not really surprising. Um, the fact that it's a two-way contract in his first year means I think you're probably going to see him spend a good amount of time next year down in Providence. And had they not, you know, either made additions to the roster or um, expect maybe some of these other maybe younger guys to, to make a jump up to the 
NHL roster this year, you probably have him being that mix for that middle six spot, kind of like how he was last year. But um, I, I think it benefits both parties if he's down there to work on his game because I think Coleman's another one of those analytics darlings, right? Like he's fast, gets the puck to the front of the net, generates high-quality looks, but kind of similar to like maybe Andrews Bjork in a little bit of a way. You know, he has good metrics, but they kind of don't mean anything if you're not finishing these plays and putting points on the board. So um, if he goes down to Providence, works on his offensive game, I think that helps him out because, you know, I, I think Carson Kuhlman up at the NHL level, if he's your, you know, your, your top six wing, like he's been the last couple of years, it's not really good for your team. Right. But if he's in a, a fourth line role where he's, you know, can use that kind of straight line speed that he has, um, he'd be a good fit. But I think in order to leapfrog past, you know, guys on that fourth line now, like we'll say, Paul Lindholm and Greg McKegg, who who they signed Greg also. McKegg. Uh, Greg McKegg. <laughs> um, so if you want to leapfrog past those guys, or maybe guys that are more physical, like a you know, like a Frederick or a, a, an Anton Bleed, he has to do, bring a little bit of something different. And if he's generating those chances that he's, if he's scoring all those chances he's generating, then he's able to stay in that lineup. So I think he needs to work on his offensive game just a little bit more down in Providence. So I think that's where you're probably going to see him quite a bit. Um, but still a good signing for the Bruins to get a guy like him in who, you know, all things considered made the jump up to the NHL pretty quick after signing his contract and, um, you know, still could bring value as a fourth line guy, I think, to this team. Um, for Grizzly, you know, I think it was an essential thing you had to do, especially when you look at the state of this defense, right? I mean, he's, Pretty much right now, you're de facto number one left shot D. Um, and, you know, I think people were saying that they were going to sign him for, like, you know, $3 million or something like that. Like, it doesn't surprise me he got a little bit more just because I think the writing's on the wall in terms of what you're going to get from a guy like him right next year. I mean, we, we expect all these younger players, especially to take these next step forward, um, you know, each year. But you look at kind of the responsibilities falling on Chris, like it's – pretty daunting which is when you expect of what what they need him to excel in i mean you're looking for him to probably be your again your top pairing guy and if not he's still probably gonna get 20 plus minutes a night now right against tougher matchups um he's going to be probably your power play quarterback like um so they're definitely paying him as a guy who's going to be stepping into that role and um again i'm because it's another one of those guys who the, the numbers back up is you know he's great at you know negating scoring chances just because he's so good at his transition game getting the puck out of Boston's zone um you know he he's had a lot of success in that short amount of time he's been on the power play especially with those big guns that he works with right like I mean if you're feeding the puck down to Marshan and Pasternak and Bergeron usually you're going to start scoring goals anyway <laughs> even if he's not maybe as dynamic as a guy like Krug is on the half wall right like as long as you fish the puck back down there generally good things are going to happen. So, um, it's like if you have no, Randy Moss running downfield, you just throw the ball up. Probably. Gonna right. It, like it, it helps you quite a bit when you have those guys down there. Um, so I, I mean, I think it's a good signing for the Bruins. Just, you know, it's a guy who, again, it, it's definitely a daunting task and it all depends on how we handle some of these bigger matchups. Cause you know, it's not going to be not like he was even sheltered, right? It's not like he's just, like an ozone guy, but still, when you're going up against top six competition night in, night out, um, you have to see how he fares. But I think you kind of look at those underlying numbers and how he's progressed each year. And he's definitely a guy that, um, you know, you could be viewed as kind of a big breakout candidate next year in terms of getting those extra minutes and those extra reps. It just kind of depends on who else you have on that decor to support him because 
you see, I mean, we, we talk about this every single time now, but the, the state of the rest of that <laughs> left shot D uh, is still not looking too good. Well, so I think you're 100% right. Grizzlick is sort of the breakout candidate for the 2021 season. Uh, but I do think that someone like him, you know, up against smaller, quicker top six forwards, Johnny Gaudreau, Connor McDavid even, you know, your smaller-ish guys, I think he has a good chance against. Your bigger guys, if it's a Kucherov, if it's a even like a Jack Eichel, um, I don't know how he fares against them just because they are a little bit bigger. Um, but that is kind of why I think you, you want to add a veteran top four left shot defenseman who can, you know, who can handle those matchups, who can handle those minutes. Now, there weren't really a lot on the free agent market to begin with. The one we pointed to was Brennan Dillon. He was gone immediately. Um, yeah. Outside like every of, team now, every, every team now who signed guys wicked early or like before, like it resigned their own guys, are probably like punching a hole in the wall right now because of just how like they threw they tossed out all this money way before like this market completely went to shit. Yes, so that was the thing. He resigned with the Capitals uh, early, 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 early. So uh, they would have to do it through a trade. And uh, based on what John Sweeney said last week, it feels like they're probably done. Um, at least that's the vibe I was getting. Uh, didn't mm-hmm. feel, I mean, at least in free agency, I feel like they're done. Trades obviously can happen at any time. You know, if someone came across and said, you want a sixth round? Do you want to, uh, we'll give you McDavid for a sixth round pick. I think obviously <laughs> they would probably take it. Uh, but uh, it's probably think it's for- a trap. He's like, no, this is, this, there's something fishy about this. No, that sixth round pick is going to turn into a great player for our Providence Bruins. Uh, they'll help internal competition, which is the word that Sweeney loves to use. Uh, and I think it's funny. I think it's going to start to piss people off a lot more when next season you have, you know, Jacob Zaborl, Earl Vakanine, and Jeremy Lazan and Connor Clifton battling for defensive minutes. And it's like, oh, it's internal competition. They're just going to push each other to be better. They're going to push each other to be better. <laughs> as as you know, Jacob Sabora's coughing the puck up, you know, in his own zone. But um, do you think they are done? Are they done? I mean, you can always, you know, take whatever you hear during these offseason, you know, talks is with a grain of salt, right? Because, again, who knows what the market's going to look like in another month or so or you know what trade uh, pops up but i still don't i don't think the bruins you're going to see them all of a sudden just drop cash now to get you know grandland or hoffman or one of these guys so i think on the free agent market unless the asking prices drop significantly um i think you're going to see them more focused right now on you know re-upping their a guy their internal guys so you know you still got to sign debrusque which you have just a little bit of cap left for that now i think the I think Cap Friendly has the Bruins at about six point five million. So the Bruce costs you about four. You know, you still gotta find out what you're doing with Chara, you still got a few other things. So and again, they have ways they can move contracts, right? They don't have like albatross deals like uh you know, like back is back in the day, but still you're seeing I think in this market how tough it is to get uh even mid tier contracts move because all these teams are scared shitless of just taking on any money these days. Right. So it's, uh, you have to look at it and be kind of realistic with what the spot they're in and are they better? Uh, depends on what you want to focus on. Right. I think they're better up front. I was looking through like, uh, an old tweet from before the last season started where it was Cassidy talking at like their, their golf thing they do every year in September. And he was like, yeah, we're, 
the top six, you know, the vacancy next to Krejci is probably either going to be um, Peter Solarik, <laughs> Brett Ritchie, or like Carson Coleman. I'm like, all right, well, listen, man, I know people wanted a Hall or they wanted a, a more dynamic guy there, of course, but if you are deciding between once everyone's healthy, right, we still have to factor in the Marshall and Pasternak thing, but once everyone's healthy, you're going to have Kasha or Smith or one of those other guys slotted in there. You're in a better spot than you were, and your third line's also better with one of those two guys probably slotting down there next to Coyle and Bjork or Stanika or one of those spots. So, But on defense, it's still awfully concerning, right? I mean, the defense should be kind of the backbone of your team, and unless you're just hoping that McAvoy and Grizzlick and Kahlo take huge steps, I mean, your your hope you're hedging all your bets on a guy like Zaboral or Vakaninen to not even, you know, show positive like strides, right. Of being like, Oh, this guy, you know, he could be good. Like you need these guys to be good now. Like you need these guys to be guys who are averaging 15 plus minutes a night and handling it well. And, you know, chipping and offensively, we, we heard even before the offseason started, the Bruins want their D to get more involved in the offense and to get that five and five offense going. They need a lot of shots from the points. Like, all right, hey, Jacob Zaboral, like, we know you've done really good in Providence. It's probably a lot of pressure on you. Don't go on Twitter because people are really pissed whenever they mention your name. Uh, we need you to step in and, uh, one, yeah, don't, don't fuck up your, your regular job in terms of just being a steady defenseman, but also, uh, Throw some throw your weight around, right? Because we need the Bruins fans to be happy that you know everyone thinks you're a bust. And also, we need you to uh, fire in more points, you know, shots from the point too. To you know, it's just it's unfair it's, to it's them. A, it's a tough gig for for those guys. And again, they'll, they'll, you could spin it as like, well, these guys are pro athletes, man. They they relish this opportunity. It's like, yeah, well, still, like you're trying also to win a cup this year, right? How many more chances are you going to have? And to expect these younger defensemen to kind of just all of a sudden just step in here and, and uh, excel in that role. And again, I would love to, you know, Evan be talking about this in June where Zaboral averages 17 minutes a night and had, you know, 18, 25 points or something like that. And just stepped in right away. and was great. That'd be fantastic. And I would Won the love to be, I would love to be proven wrong. Right. But, we have to be realistic in terms of what you're expecting. And that's a key. It's not like you're missing even a guy next to Coyle where you're going into next year. Be like, all right, well, they didn't sign Craig Smith, whatever. whatever. But uh, we still have Bjork and Stanika and all these guys that, you know, you feel more confident about because it's a third line role, right? You need like a top four guy who's going to be taking on heavy minutes um, night in, night out. So you have to find some kind of solution there because – uh, again, there's just a whole bunch of risk, you know, hoping one of those guys pans out in a year like this where you have to win now. It's funny. You mentioned uh, Jacob Zaboral pleasing Bruins fans. It is true that if Zaboral went out in his first shift or first game and just laid someone out, I mean, like laid them out, his opinion by Bruins fans on him would switch in an instant. I mean, immediately would well, be it's... like, this is the guy. It would be well, that's the thing too is like, that's kind of how he plays. I mean, he's not like a, a wrecking ball out there. Right. But like he played, he's pretty physical dude. Like he's not like the biggest guy, but you kind of watch his game down in Providence. And it seems like the general like consensus of when he's playing well, Zaboral is that he's kind of like a, 
you know, he play he's plays more physical than you think. And also he's kind of like an offensive lineman where sometimes you don't really notice him, but it's not really a bad thing. Right. It's just that he makes like, he's good in transition, makes like smooth, you know, first passes, you know, doesn't fumble the puck around like that. That's kind of what you're and like, if that's what he brings you, that's great. You know, it's, it's kind of like how Kahlo was his, his first year, obviously different size, but like Kahlo was just so good his rookie year because you didn't really notice him, right? Like he was just mm-hmm. did his job well. And you're like, Oh, this guy is 19 years old. And we don't really know that's a good thing, right? He's averaging these minutes. So maybe he's a ball brings you that, but still, I mean, it, it, that kid's got an uphill climb just in terms of just the, the fans too. Cause I feel like everyone's just talking about back and I and back and I and back and I and it seems like, you know, he's maybe not taking a step back, but his development's kind of stagnated a little bit over the last couple of years. And, uh, you saw Zabor kind of beat him out in training camp last year. Um, so, I mean, we'll see. It's going to be some fantastic internal competition, Evan, uh, as you said, for those spots. But still, you would like for internal, them to have a yeah. Internal competition. And on top of that, from the sounds of it, it sounds like you're saying Jacob Zaborl is a younger, better Nicholas Cronwall. And I can get on board with that. You know what? Let's print the T-shirts. Zaboral is the new Cronwall. Let's do Jacob it. Before the season even starts. Pick number 55. You're going to be Nicholas Cronwall 2.0. You're going to be even better than Nicholas Cronwall, let me tell you. But, yes, I do think that, you know, his game actually might be liked by Bruins fans a lot more. I feel like his game would be liked more than Bakkeninen's just because Zaboral is a little bit more physical, as you said, and Bakkeninen's a little more finesse, uh, you know, might – might, you know, fumble the puck in his own zone or something like that. And fans jump all over him. So um, you're right. It is the internal competition, which is, you know, I think we're going to kind of get sick of. We have been getting sick of it. So um, I, I, I don't know what they're going to do on defense because, as you said, I mean, the left side, we can harp. It's beating a dead horse at this point, and it's not even the season. Like, think about when the season actually comes around. And it's, you know, Grizzlick McAvoy, John Moore, Brandon Carlo, and like, you know, Jeremy Lazan and Connor Clifton. And, you know, John Moore makes a mistake and costs them a game or, or Vakanian steps in or Zaboral steps in and there's a big problem. And we're just sitting here on podcasts, just harping on it, harping on it, harping on it. Look at their numbers. Look at, you know, they're, they're, the team has no Poshnok and Marshawn. Oh my God. And they have nobody on the left side. Or maybe they'll have Char actually then because, uh, that, Actually, probably will happen, but it feels like he's going to resign. It'll just happen like later on when towards when the season starts. So, um, you'll also have the hate for him from fans saying that he's too slow and stuff. So, should be an interesting year for left shot defenseman on the Bruins. It it is funny how, uh, I think now that there's like, you know, the I wouldn't even say whispers, but just the, the potential reality, right, of Chara not, let's say he either retires or goes somewhere else. I mean, you saw, I think, Matt Cater talking to P.L. LeBron said that, you know, Matt Cater's his agent, uh, that other teams are interested. I think you're seeing now Bruins fans who hopped on, like, ah, this guy fucking sucks, dude. Uh, he can't, All you know, he's too slow, all this stuff. It's like, all right, well, now you face the reality of either losing him for nothing, given the state of your decor, or him outright retiring when, again, let's be sensible here, he's still really good in, like, a, a lesser role on this team if he's more just a defensive Shelt- A very stopper. sheltered role, not, like, a yeah, like, and a Yeah, he's role. not your top-pairing guy, but if he's, like, further down the lineup and he's still on your PK, like, he still brings a lot of value to the team, especially now. So you're seeing a lot of fans, like, oh, dude, it would fucking suck if – Montreal sign this dude now it's like yeah no shit guys like this is we've been talking about this for a while man like this 
He still Can you imagine if Chara went to Montreal? I don't think the it's fans like would accept is, him up there. Uh, yeah, I saw, like, I think it was on Reddit because I think people were mentioning, like, potential teams, and someone was like, you know, I, I'm not going to do a, a Quebec Quebecois. Uh, I, I even butchered that, but I'm not going to do a, a French Canadian accent talking about how like Claude would, would work well with him up there. But, uh, I think all is maybe forgiven from him, you know, almost knocking out Max Pacioretty in that game, having the police called on him. But, um, I mean, if he goes anywhere, right. Uh, let's say like, I don't know, Colorado, sends of Colorado goes for a good cop, goes the Ray Borg route. I still think people would be like, all right, well shit. Like, well, if we at least had him averaging 17 minutes a night, it's a lot better than what our current situation is on the left side. So yeah. uh, it's really just funny how you see all these Bruins fans who during in the moment are, you know, pissed that, you know, he's not the player he was even five years ago when he was 38 uh, are now freaking out about it. It's like, yeah, you that know, is, he seems better when you have him in there. It is incredible that like his prime came in his, you know, his prime probably lasted from his mid twenties to his, mid to late thirties. Like that is yep. a fucking Nuts. huge prime. Um, yep. but yes, uh, Chara in Montreal would, or he goes to Toronto and it's like, you know, Joe Thornton, Zidane <laughs> Chara. It'd be like the best team ever in 2008. Um, yeah. but, uh, moving on. So Bruins probably done. Grizzlick and Kuhlman signed. Um, Joakim Nordstrom goes to Calgary. The Bruins are done now. I mean, the Bruins are over. The fact they could not re-sign Joakim Nordstrom uh, probably means they're going to be cursed. It's going to be – the Bruins are not going to win a Stanley Cup for the next 120 years. It's going to be the curse of uh, – the Nordy curse. The Nordy curse. It doesn't have the same so, ring of it as, like, the Billy Goat or the Bambino. But the, the Bambino. The, the Nordy curse. Uh, <laughs> but Joakim's curse, I guess. But uh, he goes to Calgary for a – I mean, a dirt-cheap contract. Um, and this basically shows how bad the market is taking these tiny, way smaller deals. I mean, I think Nordstrom in a, in a market like last year would get at least a million, million and a half, maybe. I mean, yeah. solid penalty Especially killer. A good postseason, right? I mean, yeah, a bunch of blocks last year into the 2019 playoffs had, I think, eight points in 22 games. Pretty good for a fourth line guy. Like, guy would bring value, right? Like, at the very least, he'd make what he made million per year probably even a little bit more after kind of how that last year went like even like you know he wasn't gonna break the bank no shit right but one 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 point two five something like that but to take the league minimum like shit man. yeah like this so that goes to show that goes to show how bad the market is and it makes you wonder are the should the Bruins wait this out you know is there a chance that if the Bruins continue to wait Mike Hoffman will be available in at Thanksgiving for like four million bucks yeah, I, I mean, I think you kind of look at it, right? Like the different players who are out there and the lack of teams that are have cap space to spend, right? I think right now, I think there's nine teams left with a little bit over $10 million in cap space, but also a whole bunch of those teams haven't signed their RFAs yet, so you're going to have even less of that. Like I think, you know, Detroit maybe is in second, and they've got – you know, I think over 15 million, but they still got to sign guys like Mantha, uh, you know, uh, the Devils have just signed Blackwood. Um, so a lot of these teams also are going to have significantly less once they get all their internal moves done, right? Like look at the Bruins. They're going to be kind of mostly out of the running once they get the brusque, unless they make other moves. Um, but you kind of look at just the guys who are still out here, right? I mean, Hoffman, Granlin, uh, Duclair, 
Eric Howla, uh, Sammy Vatman. Maddie Duclair is great. Yeah. Uh, Koval, Kovalchuk, who's probably going to sign for yes. the minimum at this point. Corey Perry. I mean, a whole bunch of guys. And, I mean, you're even seeing it, like, we, we talked about this earlier, like, these teams who sign guys out of the gate are probably kicking themselves because they could probably get less and less. And I know why you are jumping early, right? You don't want to sit and wait and have these guys go off the board. But, like, I mean, look at some of these guys. I mean, Evolving Hockey every year does a great thing where they project what contracts are going to be based on their stats and the state of the market. So, like, I mean, they had Dadnov at, like, you know, a six-, seven-year deal at $6.68 million. Three years and $5 million he gets from Ottawa. Tyson Barry, they thought his projected AAV was going to be, like, $7 million, which I thought was pretty high. But, like, at the very least, right, Barry – five five and a half right especially if he's in a better system than toronto guy signs yeah. in one year 3.75 million dollar deal with edmonton like i mean you go down the list right like, even smith man at three three point one i thought i thought know, it'd be at least four get, yeah i thought it'd be at least four there to fully sign you could have gotten probably six million on an old market gets 4.25 million so i think you see if these teams are waiting it out and i think you have to be cognizant of a team like uh, Nashville or Columbus. He seems at cleared cap anyway, uh, you know, to sign guys and really didn't get anyone. So like I could see, you know, Nashville offering Hoffman, you know, three years at 4.5 million and maybe getting that deal done. But there's still so many guys out there that if you're the Bruins and you kind of wait things out, uh, you could probably get a guy for an absurdly cheap value for someone who, you know, I don't know if Mike Hoffman's going to be available for like 3 million come November if he doesn't sign anywhere, but Seems like it's a possibility, right? I mean, Taylor Hall signed for one year for eight million bucks for for a team like that. So um, I think you kind of look at just the state of this market right now, and if you're the Browns, it probably is wise just to wait it out because even if a guy like Hoffman gets on the board, which will be the next domino to fall, Bruins fans will be losing their shit. Like you know, you, if you get F in the C or someone for like a million. <laughs> I mean, shit, man. Like, screw it. Like, do, do something like that. Like, I don't know how much Duclair is going to be worth or all these things. So, again, they still have to probably make moves elsewhere to facilitate signing some of these extra guys. But uh, it seems like if you're waiting things out, it's kind of beneficial to what you want to do because this market just seems like it's absolutely brutal for so many free agents. You mentioned an, a name that I used to be opposed to when he was rumored to come back to the NHL but he slowly grew on me in his time playing this past year. Should the Bruins sign Ilya Kovalchuk? Because as you said, it wouldn't be for a lot. It'd be for 700K, 725K. It'd be league minimum. And he's a, he, you know, he's done stuff in the past. He did all right last year, especially with the Canadians. Mm-hmm. Is he an answer to the right side of David Krejci? I mean, it, do you go for that? I mean, I don't see what like uh, now looking back when the when he was rumored to come back into the league, I remember being like, "No, the Bruins shouldn't do this." But then you realize it's for league minimum. You're, what are you losing here? There's a there's way more to gain than there is to lose. Oh yeah, I mean, if it's a, if a league minimum deal, screw that, man. Like, I'll sign any of those dudes. I'll sign Anthony Cu, who uh, honestly has been not been he's been like spread out bad other than that thirty goal season, right? Which seemed like an outlier when he was getting heavy minutes with Detroit, like. If you sign Kovalchuk for a league minimum or a million bucks, whatever, and he doesn't work out, all right, screw it. You know, like you, you still have other yeah. options there. And again, uh, 
I'm sure he didn't kind of help his value. The fact that I don't think he really panned out when he went to capital, went to the capitals, which didn't think that was going to put them over the top, but you put him in a right system where he kind of, uh, can flourish like Montreal and he's still a, a capable guy who can at least get you some points. Um, so it wouldn't surprise me, honestly, if the Bruins a few a few months down the road, or if he's available, you sign him for cheap. Considering they still need to do something, just to account for the fact that you know you're going to have probably David Pasternak out of the lineup for the first month of the season. So uh, that wouldn't surprise me if those are the guys that kind of target guys who are probably going to be cheap anyway. But you wait another couple of weeks or so, and it seems like they're. Uh, going to be even cheaper but also Kovacek's a guy who also could be like you know what screw this shit like I'm going to go back to Russia so we'll, we'll see what yes. happens with him but um, if he's available though for that value and it's that cheap it can't hurt right like I think any of those guys you sign just for that value just do it or Carl Soderberg people forget Carl Soderberg's yeah. also on the market and he actually has been good in Arizona I mean that guy's been putting up yeah. 40 50 point seasons left and right I don't know what his advanced stats are but I know his regular stats aren't bad. I mean, bring it, bring back the angry one-eyed Swede. Uh, but which, so, al- which also don't, don't don't forget that Soderberg is in in Arizona, where as we've said multiple times, offense goes to die. So that guy would yes. be like that guy's averaging like eighty points out there in the yes. desert. <laughs> you're getting you're getting you're getting your leading point getter uh, in November with Carl Soderberg. Um, so you wrote this last week, uh, and it did everyone. It kind of got everyone really hyped up. Should the Bruins offer sheet Mikhail Sergachev? The, the Lightning are in cap hell. They got to re-sign Sergachev and Sorelli. It is a mess down there. They already had to put Tyler Johnson on waivers. Um, it, should the Bruins just enhance the chaos of 2020 and offer sheet Mikhail Sergachev? You turned me on to this because I am so for this now. Probably won't happen. If any team was not to do it, it would be the Bruins. But oh, would that be fun? Oh my. Dude. God, that would be fun. Yeah, I mean, you probably have to, at this point now, free up some more cash just to throw out a legitimate offer at them. But I don't really see what the the negatives are of doing a move like this, other than the fact that you piss off the GM fraternity, which, like, at this point, screw it, man. Like uh, The GM fraternity. How right. many brothers do you know in here? <laughs> but it's like, all right, you – best case scenario – all right, so first off, let's look at Tampa's situation, right? They got about two point eight million left in cap room, right? They have not signed, uh, they have not signed Sorelli, who's worth at least four, probably, right? Unless he's taking a crazy bridge deal. Um, you have to sign Sergachev, and you got to sign Chernak. Uh, you don't have enough art right there to sign all three of those guys, so you have to move at least probably two of Tyler Johnson. Kalorn, maybe Palat, which I, I doubt they'd want to do because of how great he was this past postseason. But you got to move probably at least two of those guys. You tried putting Johnson on waivers, giving this guy up just to have anyone take the money off their off their hands. No team bid at it because no one wants to spend. So you have to move him, or you have to move, uh, you know, and or a guy like Kalorn. And again, maybe a team wants him in their top six. They're good players, but do you want to take on that contract that he has um, right now? And also made things tougher. They signed all of these guys, like these middle six guys, they signed them to no movement clauses. So it's not like you can just like say, fuck this. Uh, we're trading you to Detroit. We're trading you to Ottawa, a team that has cap room. They have to sign off on all these deals. 
So it's also like, not like they can just draw, like that makes it that much tougher. Right. Cause I'm sure a team like Ottawa, who has nothing to lose would love to take a guy like Kalorn or Pilat or something like that. But these guys have no movement clauses, which makes things that much tougher. So you, you add that to the fact that, you know, teams already aren't going to be trading guys and people are like, Oh, the, the lightning will figure it out. They're not that desperate. I'm like, if they weren't desperate, they wouldn't have given up a fucking first round pick for Barclay Goudreau just because they know they had him under contract for another year. Like they're well aware they got to make some moves. And this market has been considerably worse than I think a lot of teams were expecting in terms of just finding trade suitors. These guys. I think they, guys they, they knew, they knew this was their last year to really contend with a roster as stacked as they had it. Right. That's why I they mean, went for the drugs, you said. And, and Again, they're still going to be good, even if you're, you know, you are able to sign all your RFAs, but you're down Kalorn or, uh, you know, Pilat or one of those guys. Like, you're still going to be a good team, Tampa Bay, but still, it's not like it's going to be easy just to get rid of these guys. Like, are you going to have to include sweeteners just to take this, these contracts off your hands, right? Like, I don't think they have first round picks, but you have to include other picks for players just to get teams to take on that money. Um, I mean, you're, you're seeing it and like you map out all the different ways they can kind of get out of this cap hell. None of them look very easy. And if they are doing it, they're doing moves that are going to be hurting their current team. Right. So if you're the Bruins, uh, let's say you offer six and a half million, five years, six and a half million to Sergachev, which if you do that, then you only give up, I think a first and a third round pick if he signs, which I will give up a first and a third and pay Sergachev that money if you get him here. But all right, best case scenario, the Bruins give him six and a half million and Tampa can't match it. Congratulations. You give him a first and a third, which whatever, <laughs> like I'm fine you doing that for a guy like Sergachev and you get your uh, 22-year-old defenseman who's your new top pairing guy, guy who's great on the power play, guy who has got great metrics, sheltered a little bit in Tampa, but you have – you know, headman and these guys ahead of him. So makes sense. But I feel a lot better about your decor. If you have a guy like Sergachev in the mix, then yes, and back and I, right? really, like that makes, really you feel a lot, you feel a lot better there. So uh, yeah, best case scenario, you get a guy like him because Tampa just doesn't have the, the moves able to get out of that current situation to free up all that money to get Sergachev and Shirley and Chernak. But, but uh, worst case scenario, uh, Tampa matches somehow but you cripple them in the process, right? Of they have to then deal off Kalorn and Palat for contracts that, you know, for next to nothing in return, if anything, they have to give up more just to get out and unload that money. So also um, why would Sweeney care? I, 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 I granted we're not GMs, but it's not like Sweeney and Brisebois are, uh, are doing all these deals. Like they aren't, they're in the same division. They're supposed to be rivals. You, you would yeah. think that like, you could cripple them with this. And also, I think Sergachev wouldn't mind going to a different team. I mean, I think he likes being on the light. I'm not saying he doesn't like being on the lightning, but he's basically, an, it, it, Marshawn said it this past postseason, they have like five number one defensemen. So yeah. Sergachev could go to the Bruins and be the number one D-man like immediately, the number one left shot mm-hmm. defenseman at least. Um, so, I mean, he's got better opportunities. He has a Stanley Cup. You know, again, I mean, I, I doubt, again, they're not going to do this. But I'm just saying, if we were GM, we would do it. It'd be fun and as hell to do it, though. Like, and that's the thing: so it's like you, if they did to, like, it would like go wrong. Like they would lowball the offer because, like, if you're gonna do it, you have to. You gotta go. All, you gotta go balls yeah. to the fucking wall. Like, like when when uh, Montreal offered sheeted Aho, <laughs> and like the Carolina Hurricanes are like, 
Okay, yeah, you made our fucking negotiation easier. We'll sign that. It's like, all right, what'd you what'd you do that for then, Montreal, you idiots? Like you have to like front load the shit out of that contract to make it make it tougher to do. So, I mean, who knows? Also, I maybe mean, people just don't want to pay him that much money because usually those contracts, it's a lot of again front loading it or putting a lot into signing bonuses that you get pay out right away. So, um, that also probably plays into the fact that you're seeing teams not spend, but. If you look at kind of all the ways it would work out for the Bruins to do that, whether it's either get your left shot D for the future or you're, you know, making this offseason a living hell for Brisebois and the Lightning, both ways seem to kind of work out for you. Yeah, I, again, the latter, I think, is the most important. Also, Sergeant is only 22. So, yeah, 22. Uh, I mean, like, whatever you give him, I believe, is going to be worth it. The kid's nasty. Yeah. So I also forget um, that he's that, how tall he is. I thought he was like, like, you know, like a six one kind of guy. I forgot he's six three. He's a big dude. He's a big boy. Um and they could use that on that left side. It's funny, you pulled that the minute I saw you tweet that article, I was like, damn, that is a out of the box good idea. Um mm-hmm. speaking of out of the box good ideas, there's a lot of those over at Boston Sports Journal. Connor, is there anything you'd like to uh anything you're working on that you'd like to tell the listeners about before I let you go? Yeah, we're, uh, again, we're maybe not doing as ambitious as a offer sheet, but we're going to look at a whole bunch of different ways the Bruins kind of navigate through the rest of this off season. Um, seems like every week the, the market takes another turn where we're, uh, seeing guys sign for less or, you know, having to make other concessions with how the, the teams are doing business. So, um, we'll be looking at other ways the Bruins can improve this team that still needs to add a couple of bodies, right? To, I think, have fans especially be happy about product going into the 2021 season now so uh we're doing a lot more breakdowns on potential free agent signings trades all that good stuff over at bsj so subscribe over there and you can follow me on twitter at connor ryan underscore 93 do all that and with that that is poke bear episode 14 i'm evan marinovsky that's connor ryan you have a great rest of your day (laughs) 